0: Episode 90, The Rant. Oren Barfield Jr., first-year certified official, former Archbishop Malloy standout, and collegiate player for John Jay University. After the Alpha comes Omega. Enter Oren Jr., son of basketball officiating greatness. We picked episode 90 for him to honor his father for his own start in officiating, which started in 1990. In this pod, Jr. discusses his come-up, watching his father officiate, working hard to belong on a high-level high school team, how he got into refing, and putting it on pause to play in college. All that and more, my conversation with Orrin Jr., featuring Sr., now. The Rant has been brought to you by Roar Organic. Everything your body needs, nothing it doesn't. There's a reason they say variety is the spice of life. And with their new organic line comes the following exciting flavors. Georgia peach, blueberry acai, cucumber watermelon, mango clementine, pineapple mint, strawberry coconut. Ah! Roar Organic uses a proprietary electrolyte blend created with organic coconut water, organic cane sugar, and sea salt. It's non-GMO, vegan-friendly, gluten-free, no artificial colors or flavors, no preservatives, and no artificial sweeteners. Just 2 grams of sugar and only 10 calories per serving. Visit Roar.land and use the code REFEREERANT, one word, in the checkout and receive 10% off your next purchase. That's Roar.land, code REFEREERANT. The Rant has been brought to you by the revolutionary product for referees and all professionals alike, Neat Tucks. What the tuck? Traditional shirt stays have been tried and true, but never accounted for those professionals that have shorts as uniforms. What do you do when you officiate soccer or lacrosse or even basketball in the summer? Don't forget about baseball umpires, too. Enter knee tucks, which come in style and active versions. Don't get it twisted. You can even wear them at your nine to five, too. Listeners of the rant can visit kneetucks.com and enter the coupon code referee rant one word and receive 20% off your initial order. That's referee rant one word. Happy tucking. Welcome to another edition of the rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a special guest. Well, matter of fact, two special guests. Um, I have Orrin Barfield Jr. as well as Oren Barfield Sr. Um, what's up, guys? What's up? Welcome hey. to the show. Good day. And for for Oren Sr., welcome to the show again. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Thanks for
0: having me. So, but this one is more about Jr. We met, uh, I want to say, about six or seven months ago at Island Garden. I was like, look at this new dude, man. I need to get back in the lab. You were nice, really pristine. You had the look. You had sharp mechanics. And come to find out that... Um, your name was Horn, and I just remember everyone was like, yeah, this guy is, he's the son of of Orin Sr. And I didn't even meet uh, Sr. at the time. And then, ironically enough, we ended up doing a playoff game a month after that. Uh, but nonetheless, welcome to the show. How are you doing? So I want to go all the way back. What was your perception of, um, well, not even your perception, What early on, what sports did you play growing up? What did you play in middle school? What did you play in high school?
2: Uh. When I was younger, I played uh baseball a lot. I was uh little league, but I wasn't really good at it, but mm-hmm. I liked the uh, the sport definitely couldn't hit for anything.
0: What position did you play?
2: uh I was mostly infield I hated the outfield. I was kind of an athletic child so I could you know move around but I hated baseball. I played basketball and I was you know naturally i think good at it gifted at it because I've been around it since around like three years old Being to him, he was you know full fledged referee. When I was born. So, Mm. you know, when Marwood wanted a break, I would go to his games on Friday nights, you know, travel to his rec games. It didn't matter where it was. I'd shoot around. So, you know, it came naturally to me. Mm. And I started taking it more seriously around probably fifth grade when I started playing uh, in the inner city leagues and stuff like that. Housing tournaments, ISA, pretty much you name it, going around uh, and playing with them and CYO too. But uh, up until the point about high school, then they really started to take off for me, you know. And was, you went uh, to
0: Archbishop Malloy, right? Correct. And talk about your high school career.
2: My high school career, I played freshman year. We had a pretty good team that we lost in the semis. JV year, lost in the semis. We were pretty good, again. My junior year, we went to the cities. We lost in the city chip to Cardinal Hayes, and we, but we won the Brooklyn Queens championship against Bishop Lachlan. My senior year, we closed out. Lost in the semis to step at St. John's. Mm. So, yeah.
0: So before I even knew you were a ref, um, I just remember one of my fellow referees from Nassau County, Jared Jacobson, he had a controversial call in the uh, the Brooklyn Queens championship game and it was uh, Christ the King versus your team, Archbishop Malloy, and I'm watching this game and it goes through the wire, you know, Cole Anthony's going back and forth, Um, and then I saw at the end, you had a chance, but then it was like a controversial traveling call, but you still had a a chance, do you recollect that game at all?
2: Very well, yeah.
0: Was that one of like the, the bitter losses that you can remember from high school?
2: I had too many bitter losses in high school to be honest, but uh, that one doesn't really, to believe it or not, stick in my mind. Probably the crazier ones, like the uh, one we lost to the game before that when we played King at Malloy, mm. That one really stuck in my mind. But about a bunch of other things that were in the background of that game. But yeah, also on a crazy buzzer beater, and Cole was like going off too in the last minute, he had, like ten points in the last minute to bring us back. We ended up losing by three. Of course, but you know, but it tended to happen to us a lot. You know, we had a lot of painful losses like that because we were a great, we were we were very talented, but we weren't. We, weren't, oh, we yeah, we didn't work well together. Team for, mm. for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, so, that's a, it's a it's a delicate balance because sometimes people say like, oh, because we have this person on the team, and through that addition you're supposed to come through. But basketball is more than that. It's more about the chemistry as opposed to the addition of it.
2: I think more so, I haven't played college at upper levels, but I think in high school especially, it's about cohesiveness. Mm-hmm. Because in the NBA, they have a lot of talented players that come together for money to play, and they make it work. In high school, it's not really about that. It's like you bring in a bunch of talented guys that are already thinking college, already thinking the NBA, and you're trying to make it work. And it's, it's, it's a little hard to balance out egos and stuff like that, to handle that, especially on a team like what we had with a couple all-Americans, three Division One players, you know, mm-hmm. it could have been four the years that I was been there. So
0: my first interaction um, playing basketball, I played in Nassau County, and it's really funny that we're in Laurelton, and you know the the division line between Queens and Long Island is so minuscule. Mm-hmm. However, the basketball is so different in Long Island. I'll give you a perfect example. When I played for Kellenberg, um, I was kind of middle of the road. I never really got along with referees because I would always get two quick fouls because. So used to playing at the playground. I never played CYO. There wasn't really AAU when I was growing up. But the funny thing is, my first experience with double A ball, I was a JV player in 10th grade. I'll never forget, we go to Bishop Lachlan. We had so much trouble getting past half court. Mm-hmm. We ended up losing by 80 points. Mm-hmm. So just talk about the honor that it was of just playing such high level ball in high
2: school. It was. It was definitely a, a huge difference. Like you had a game like that my freshman year, I think we played St. Mary's from Manhasset. We won like a 96 to 13 Something like that It was complete, Completely different You know Different style Different level Different uh, Speed Of play In the city Than from Long Island Why do you think that is? I don't know It's I guess it's more Of a cultural thing Because mm. the style of play Is more Likened to I guess Not street ball really But kind of street ball In the city You know There's a lot of more Play-ons in the Inner city out there There's a lot of You know More tic-tac Shooting mm. fouls the athleticism, really, I can see like a huge difference. They have athletic kids out in Long Island, but it's like they grow up trees out here, especially like little tough nose guards in uh, the city. So, definitely, I guess, I guess it's more of a cultural thing, if anything. But you know? mm-hmm. the people that know out in Long Island, they know they want to get right. They come to the city and play. You know,
0: absolutely, and same thing for referees too, because uh, you know my experience in my own home board, board forty-one in Nassau County. There's so many refs and so little games, mm-hmm. kind of like it's reverse in the city that there's so many games and there's not enough refs, and that's why we need a whole lot of really highly qualified referees to do these games. Uh, but having said that, when we're talking about officiating, you know, since your father, you know, ever since you were in the womb, he was already officiating. What was your perception of referees, you know, growing up watching him ref, and then ultimately getting into the game and you having refs on your games?
2: Uh, I grew up. You know, knowing a lot of his friends refereeing, all great people. You know, My perceptions of refs, I always have respect for refs. And growing up, I always did. You know, just, no matter how bad uh, a call was, I did agree with it. You know, CYO, never complained ever. And that factored into my style of play. I think it helps a lot. Because I see a lot of guys, you know, young kids, and even when I'm refereeing, they always want to take it out of the ref. Their first instinct mm. is to automatically take it out on the ref. Instead of maybe backtracking five seconds to avoid what, what could I have done not to put myself in a situation or put the ref in a situation where he's going to have to make a call he doesn't really want to make because it looks horrible or whatever, you know. It, I get a lot of that, you know, and they're always, you know, in my mind. It's, and it bothers me so much because I wasn't raised like that at all. It's just unbecoming of a person. And, you know, you see the parents out on Long Island, they're always screaming at the refs, and that's where they get it from you know what I'm saying no respect for mm. the but I always was raised with a great respect for authority and referees alike now does that
0: help you in terms of being a teammate of explaining to everyone like you know I kind of know without saying it you have inside knowledge of what referees go through and yeah. it's like you try to bridge the gap between the way you your temperament is versus you know other people that got upset
2: definitely if I'm ever playing with a guy that starts freaking out on the reps my first instinct is to go and automatically diffuse the situation because no good ever comes from that you know uh In terms of me being a referee and seeing it firsthand, I see and experiencing what it's like to be berated by whether it's a coach or a player. And I know exactly firsthand experience what the ref may or may not be going through and what he's going to think now from then on in the game. Mm. And you're already put on a list. It's like when you're in class and teacher... You're talking during the class, the teacher has to disrupt the class, and now he, now she's looking at you for the rest of the class, you know what I'm saying? So now the refs do the same thing. So I know it's never, ever good for business when a player, especially on my team, is berating a ref, you know, mm. when it comes down to it. Refs do, I think they do a good job of being objective in the middle of the road, you know, whether the coach is bugging out, whether the players are bugging out, they always want to make the next right call. That's what I respect about refs. It's never, ever anything personal. A good ref will never, ever take it personal. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So, in a way, depending on if I think a ref may or may may not be taking something personal with a player on my team, you know, it's just never always trying to diffuse the situation. Never want to, you know, Mm. never want to let that escalate into something else. And I think that helps me to become a better basketball player and a better leader on the court, you know, understanding that. Because not a lot of kids do understand that. It's very hard to understand because not a lot of kids are surrounded by referees like I am I have you know referee friends everywhere not friends but you know they know me and I know them and I have a mutual respect for them so I always and never never ever cross the line I, never, mm. I make sure that's important never cross lines with referees
0: so I think subconsciously um, in the duration of you growing up of you just you know playing basketball at a high level as well as your father refereeing at a basketball high level for a long time what do you think what, what was the first inkling that you were going to say you know what I'm going to become an official myself.
2: Well, he was always uh, feeding me the knowledge. He was always telling me that you're going to make it as an official before you make it as a basketball player, and that stuck with me. So in the transition process for me going to high school, where I didn't really know, I kind of... I I was pursuing playing ball in college, but it didn't really work out right out of college like I hoped it would. I hoped that would have been in, like, a D2 or in a situation where I could have walked on D1 Mm -hmm. somewhere. But... In that semester that I took off from my breathing space, because it was a lot, it took a toll on me in high school playing basketball because I think I was so small. I was 5'8", playing against these All-Americans that are like 6'2". The point guard I had to guard every day in practice was 6'2", and he was the best point guard in the nation. So it took a lot of me. I had to work really hard, you know, getting up early in the morning, going to the gym, shooting around before school and still handling my schoolwork for Malloy, which is a a very good academic high school, you know. Mm. They weren't taking any slouches in the basketball team. If you were on the basketball team or a sports team, you were expected to do better with your grades. Right.
0: And there's something to be said because I think there's a misconception with Catholic school kids as well as, you know, kids that you think that everything's handed to you, that you're the number one uh, ranked player in the country. That doesn't mean anything Mm -hmm. when it comes to the school.
2: It doesn't. It doesn't. And it it depends on, you know, situationally what the school needs. Well, Malloy, you know, has had 50 years of backing and they have. The history to back up that they don't do stuff like that. They don't. They won't pass you just because of who you are or what you do for the school. Some schools may be in a position where a good basketball team might bring in a lot of kids to come to the school for whatever reason, either to play basketball or just because now they know the school mm. at face value. So, depending on you know situation, I think is whether high schools really let that slide or not. Mm. Anyway, in high school. College,
0: I wanted to take this question to senior because I know we've talked about this even uh, during our playoff game earlier this winter. And I was kind of giving you, um, you know, I, I told you that I met your son and I was like, wow, he's really good. And I started to think myself, you know, I got a six-year-old, he's in the back and he's always with me too. And he always watches me referee and he wants to skip the whole basketball playing portion. He just wants to go straight to the refing. So I know it's a delicate balance because I, I just know from my parents, Um, I had typical Asian parents. They wanted me to play the piano. They wanted me to practice. They wanted me to lock in the room. When I'm trying to take a different approach, you know, watch me do what I do. And then if you like it, you know, maybe maybe you want to do that yourself. So I know that there's a delicate balance of kind of telling somebody that they could be good at something or or really forcing. So what do you think? What were the best practices that help you guide him gently into becoming who he became as a man and, and as an official?
1: Um, I don't know that I really, excuse me, I was just, I guess, trying to share with him something that I love doing, something I have a passion for, and knowing that he's been around it since, like you said, in the womb, um, just trying to offer him something that he might do for a living that isn't so much like a job. Hmm. I don't know how to better put it, but that's something I could share with him, something firsthand that I experienced, you know?
0: Yeah, and also just watching him in real time, right? That that probably helped you a lot. Definitely, yeah.
2: And, you know, watching his games, I wanted to be a part of those games, whether I was playing or refereeing, mm. big-time games, you know. I went to a couple of his uh, PSAL, City Championships at the Garden. You always want to be a part of that atmosphere. And especially to have it firsthand, it just makes you all the more that More excited about it, mm-hmm. especially if you love basketball.
0: So, I want to go back to your uh, first instances of getting certified. What was your experience like taking the class? I know you took it in the Bronx, and then talk about your first experience doing real games.
2: I was hustling, man. Was my first uh, year, uh, my first semester of college, I decided to take the course, and I had a conflict that uh, coincided with my class. At school, so I had to take the up in the Bronx. So I would hustle up every day. It was uh, Tuesdays, some Thursdays, hustle up there right after class to take the course uh, with Mister Jim Paul. Who's uh, under his tutelage, I learned you know how to referee correctly.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and uh, I had a a general knowledge of refereeing before you know from playing and being experiencing it firsthand with my father. So I think I was ahead of. People that may have just came in, you know, people that love basketball, but weren't around referees growing up. Because there are a lot of rules that you don't know about when you play or you just watch a game. So knowing and learning those rules helped me to better my game as an official and a basketball player. My first experience is refereeing. I think uh, it was Island Garden. had to be. It was Rocky you know honestly
0: it's, <laughs> it's rocky. a jungle in there
2: yeah man, it's, it was rocky starting off as I, I think it is for any official so it didn't really phase me you know mm-hmm. i just took it with what was happening in my life at that time you know i didn't really wasn't really upset at it wasn't really perturbed by it wasn't uh turned off by it at all you know they were, they were rough i'm talking little kids games man you know which I think are actually harder than refereeing maybe a, a, a freshman game. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, like, basically the refs are, like, making it happen out there for these little kids, you know. And I got, like, fights after games, like, arguments with parents, and, you know. I, and I show up, you know, I'm not cutting my hair off. I got, I got like, this long, like, <laughs> afro. I, look, I just look young as can be. So, already, like, I'm starting off. These parents are looking at me like I'm their kid's age, which I probably am for a lot of them, so... I'm already starting off behind the curve, so that's mm-hmm. why I had to make sure my everything was sharp, you know. I had to know when I was gonna call something, I was gonna be able to definitively explain why I called it to a coach. I always had to cover my bases, you know, make sure I had myself backed up, you know. And in working with my partners, they were nice, you know, they probably they didn't want to say, but coming into the game and probably like rolling their eyes, like, ah, oh, you know, I got it. I'm gonna have to pick up the slack mm-hmm. for him. But I tried to be When I first started off anyway As less I was focusing on being As less of a burden As I could be Like you know I didn't want to have to be A problem for my partner So I'm always You know Rerunning plays in my head Thinking If It was correct Etiquette to make that call When I have a partner You know Also keeping him him in mind You know Because you got to Try and work down the things Like calling out of your area Or If I'm going to call a foul That's maybe out of my area That he might not have seen Or been able to see Is that a good foul to call You know what I'm saying because I might have seen it, and I might be the only person that have seen it, and everybody else, you know, might not have seen it. So am I going to jump out there? And do I feel like I can make that call? and Am I going to make it strong enough, you know, and make it believable, mm. you know, and make sure it's the right call? You know, so always backing on myself.
0: I commend you that you have the confidence as a nineteen, twenty-year-old to officiate. Because I try to envision myself being that age, trying to officiate. Yeah. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I had the maturity. So, you know, I, I really applaud you that. were able to just go through the gauntlet and do that early and um you know do you feel like you you kind of matured a lot more just going through that experience of
2: course yeah in this past year I feel like I've, I've matured a lot because when I was playing ball coming up ball was everything to me I'm always playing ball I was bored to play ball you know so in a sense it's kind of a childhood thing, but when I went to college, and I stopped playing ball, and it was really like, look, you got to get down to, to working, you can't, you know, be bullshit and messing around, sorry, BS and messing around, you know, I have to keep up my grades, I had to keep up with the class, make sure I wasn't going to make some money, make sure I passed the class, and then after that, I wanted to automatically, from the jump, when I was 18 years old, I wanted to be a D1 official, I wanted to be a higher tier high school official and I was aiming and I was working to be there as soon as I could
0: Mm.
2: you know what I'm saying so it was always I never ever uh, wanted to represent myself or present myself as a child or someone who was immature you know as already my looks might have uh, gave you the the uh, preconceived notion that I may have been Mm. you know what I'm saying so I always showed up, you know, professional, on time, 15 minutes early to Island Garden games, you know, made my calls as strong as possible. Uh, made sure I had a good talk with my partner for my games when I was first starting out. And then as it, as it progressed and I was a couple months in, you're easy to just go with the flow. You know the guys at Island Garden, you know you guys are be referee. it You're able to make calls based on how they usually call games, and, you know, you, and he goes with the flow. And you yeah, and you home. made a nice home. There's a lot
0: of people that are rooting and supporting you, right? I mean,
2: definitely. A lot of supportive officials at Allen Garden, definitely. Mr. Uh, you, Mr. James Washington, put <laughs> me under <laughs> under his wing, you know. He gives me games, hooks me up, you know, mm. you know. So I definitely felt comfortable at Allen Garden. Felt like I had a home there.
0: So we even talked off air about how, you know, how life go, gets in the way. And that adulthood is long, and mm. you have such a long way to go, um, in terms of where you are in your life now. And you know, you've just got an opportunity to play collegiate ball, something that I've never experienced, which is awesome for you. Mm. Um, where does you know basketball as well as officiating fit in at this moment in time?
2: Uh, honestly, if I you know basketball is going to have my full attention as a player as long as I'm playing, so officiating takes a a uh, uh, back burner spot however you want to call it. Just a little sabbatical for now. Yeah. Not that I don't like officiating. I do not have plans to officiate in the future. But, you know, I'm always thinking like a referee, just to keep my mind sharp about certain things, especially when I'm playing and I can see it firsthand. And I kind of see playing in college as, if I wanted to be a college official, something I probably had to do in order to understand the game better at that level. Mm. So... In terms of me refereeing high school this past, like, you know, in the AU tournaments or uh, at Island Garden refereeing high school, it helped a lot that I played high school basketball. I know the rules. I know what guards are thinking. I know what the, the, the rationale behind a lot of players, what, what they're going to do. And it helps me to anticipate calls and make and it makes the game a lot easier for me.
0: Are you going to completely just put it on hold until you're done with your, your uh, basketball career? No, 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 no. But do you find yourself you're probably going to do it some in the summer? I'm
2: still going to do something in the summer, you know, here and there. Why not? CYO? CYO. I like refereeing, so I have, I have no problem with, you know, going out there and doing mm-hmm. my thing, you know?
0: And you're going to take this basketball stuff year by year, see see where it goes? Year
2: by year, yeah, as I should. Basketball is more of a, a second second string for me at this point. You know, it's something I don't see as a player me doing for an extended, for the rest of my life. You know, whether I want to make it work in basketball, but not as a player, that's a different story. Mm. But to me, playing basketball definitely isn't primary. You know, it doesn't come first. It comes first. It definitely doesn't come before academics at this point, because that's mm. what I see carrying myself into my next 10 years, 20 years of life. Mm. You know, what I'm saying possibly the rest of my life.
0: Senior, I wanted to backtrack and just talk about watching your son play at a high-level double-A basketball and then you ultimately having to recuse yourself from the games that you once officiated because now he's in the circuit.
1: Uh, Yeah, that was um, very enjoyable. Um, Wouldn't trade it for a thing in the world. In fact, I realized once he became uh, a junior... A junior, I had a, a varsity player and a freshman player, and I realized early on, sitting down in the stands, and then I'd get up to go to the bathroom, and then I'd have my back be jacked up, let's just to say, I realized I, had, I needed to get a chair, so I got a nice chair that I saw someone with, and it enabled me to really enjoy you know, what I really wanted to enjoy, watching them play. Because had it not been for that chair, I probably would not have been able to do so. Because running up and down the court, uh, being in good shape, you know, didn't really take a toll on me. But just sitting down in those stands, man, it's just... I, I found it kind of funny mm. how I could run up and down the court but then sitting down and watching the game <laughs> too. i get up and, like I said, I'd, I'd have to hobble across the court to go to the bathroom like an old man, you know. So um, I really had no problem recusing myself from the double-A games. Um, that was my decision because um, I didn't want any any talk. You know, people, some people get silly. They go, like, oh, Malloy's in second place. And yeah, so we'll he know. wants Christ the King to lose or whatever. Uh, <laughs> however, I will share that I had a conversation with the assigner, the new assigner for the Catholic League, and he called me up because he was, I guess, going about his business of beginning to assign games and seeing what the past history was, who was accepted, where, whatever. And he saw that I, I was blocked out of so many schools. He's like, He started scratching his head. He called me up and he said to me, he says, look, he says, I don't think that any of these schools are going to have any problem with you doing their games. They know you, You know, they've known you for a long time. And he was was short of saying that he really needed as many refs as he could. Hey, Mike. What's up? Another ref. My neighbor. What's up, Mike? What's up? Uh, So, through that conversation, I'll be doing double-A games again this year in the Catholic level. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. Mm. Again, even though my son... My little son might be playing on the varsity at Malloy this year, so we'll see. We'll take that as it comes. But Yeah,
0: can't wait to do some double-A games with you. All right, all <laughs> right. Um, after everything that was said, what do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as a basketball player as well as a basketball official?
2: Uh, it's cliche, but a lot of patience. It goes a long way. You know, some days might not be your day. You know, as a basketball player, more as an official, because I've had more experience as a basketball player than as an official as of right now. But definitely patience. You know, you go from playing in a small pond where there's a few fish, you might be the best fish. You go to play in a big pond where you have a lot of good fish. Mm. And now you got to really define yourself in terms of how am I going to handle this? How am I going to adjust to the situation? So a lot of it was me better preparing myself because a lot of it was a confidence issue with me. I was playing with very good players, you know, and I had to find a way using, you know, my, my mind because, you know, I couldn't beat them athletically. Mm. I couldn't beat them skill-wise because they were that much better. And I that's do, also a
0: weird feeling, like when you're so good at something and you realize, like, there's this another level that you just can't
2: beat but you have to figure out a way. It's so sobering. It's very sobering. I have a, so many friends that can attest to that. It's very sobering. You, you think you're the man coming from that small pond, going up into that big pond, you think you're about to really just have fun and really have your way with it. But it knocks it, it you, it hits you first before you could hit, hit, before you could start off and really say to yourself that I'm going to hit this, I'm going to attack this first, I'm going I'm to throw the first punch. In terms, of it always punches you first when you go up to that bigger, that mm-hmm. bigger. Usually, unless you're very well prepared, but I was, I was not. I was lacking severely. But I got around on a lot of things. Like I was very strong with my left hand. I was very quick with my right hand. I had no left. I couldn't shoot. So my freshman year, I made it work with that. You know, I played defense, hustled, got out there, used my right hand a lot. And JV I had to come back. I had to come back with a jump shot because all, all the kids could shoot. You know, now that's what was keeping me from playing major. Because uh, as a freshman, I was like six man right off the bench, but I felt like I should have been starting. So I had to change that. I had to add a jump shot to my game. And then from JV on, it was all about poise and learning how to master all those things so I could better put myself in a position to play on that team. So it was definitely patience. Never, It didn't happen in one day. It didn't happen in a year. It happened four years. I became a basketball player, a better basketball player, or even what you would consider a basketball player. You know what I mean? Yeah. So patience is the big, big, huge key. I try to instill that in my little brother. You know, he, he goes through the same things that I go through. He he might not have seen it, you know, firsthand through me for whatever reason. So to him, it's kind of like he's by himself. He's, like, dealing with it on his own. Mm. And, he just, and it's hilarious to me because, like, I was just in his shoes. And I can see it so much clearer than he can, you know, because sometimes taking a step back and looking at things helps you to better understand the situation you're in than in actually being in that situation. So, there's definitely patience and hard work, and you just gotta, like, Joel and be, he says, trust the process. It's, it's, it's true. It's true.
0: You think Justin's gonna be a ref? I don't know. I don't know.
1: Maybe. I
2: don't know. I don't know if he wanna be. Has he
0: talked about it yet? No. Hmm. No. No. So he's probably less likely to be an official than than you
2: are. I'm not gonna say that, you know. He could come out of the blue and say he wants to officiate, but I think personality-wise, <clears throat> it definitely suited me right out of high school just because of the personality I have. Like I'm a lot more outgoing, probably, than he is. So it was easier for me to make the transition than it would be for him. But who knows? He might come surprise mm. us out of nowhere with that, which he does the Time he tends to, you know try to make those leaps but i think as a bigger brother i gotta make sure that the leaps i make first before him are the correct leaps because mm. he's coming right behind me and he's probably gonna make those same leaps those same exact jumps you know because when you look for answers the closest things to you family members and probably the closest thing to him is me because of the age difference. We're only three years apart mm. so as i leave uh, stage of my life comes right into it
0: same school same sport same, exactly. might as
2: well exactly so yeah what do,
0: you, what do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go and ultimately where you want to go as a basketball player as well as an official
2: uh, dedication I have a lot of as an official from an official standpoint I have a lot of referees that are not really my dad's contemporaries but are probably right under my father in terms of age that I look up to because they're a little bit older than me my dad had me late. He was 40 when he had me, so... You, you don't got to
0: blow him up right now. <laughs> He's still in the math in his head.
2: 39 when he had me. So let's say, like, he has, like, guys that are coming up behind him 20 years younger than him. It'll be, like, 39 right now, but I'm 19. So mm-hmm. it was, like, still, like, a huge, you know... I can look up to that generation in between me and my father, and that's what I tend to do. He has a lot of good friends, are like that, that are really, like, trying to... Elevate their games And they're really like You know Going to the gym every day Reading their books They have been helping me Mentoring me You know As I do these games That he he gets more for me I referee with these people They give me pointers And stuff like that So it's a lot about Listening First But also as a referee You gotta kind of You also gotta be confident In what you're doing So if someone says something And it always happens That you don't really agree with Because of the situation I have to take a step back And look at where They're coming from And where I'm coming from, and try and still decide, and be objective to what is the correct, you know, how I feel is uh, would be the correct way to handle situations. But uh, you know, staying in shape. You're staying in the book, and knowing the rules, goes a long way too. Mm.
0: And uh, obviously, that'll help you get away with a lot of things in the collegiate yeah. level as well. <laughs>
2: of course, of course, of course. I mean, I I, I think I was kind of a, a smart player in high school before I even started refereeing. I knew what I couldn't get away with. I, I could and could not get away with little like tugs, little pulls, you know. Mm-hmm. And it makes you a better player because I think all the good guards, especially in the NBA, know. Oh my god! No, when you
0: watch do. it from that aspect, you're like, "Wow, well, I can't yeah. believe they get away with yeah. that because they do it so slick."
2: So slick, you know.
0: Especially Steph Curry. See, that's that's a, that's a an unknown thing. Yeah. He gets a lot of separation from just like these little wrist grabs that he does when he puts his body in between. Mm-hmm.
2: Crazy. And especially being a player, like one that's another one of those things when you see a, a guard playing and, you know, there's a lot of, especially now as the moves get more complex. There's a lot, you know, you see the NBA and they're always debating whether that's a travel, why not. And literally they have to go in depth nowadays, like with James Harden's travels to explain how it's not a travel mm. and stuff like that. Like little that's how specific this game is getting. How attention to detail. Like they have like the guys I think guys I've worked out with like could be considered should be considered like doctors, basketball doctors, mm-hmm. because of how much they know, like it's actually crazy, you know, like the different things they could break down for you and explain to you. But in being a basketball player, especially being a guard, you can, like see like these little things, like, little guards do, and you know, in my head, I probably put myself in that position. Am I gonna call offensive foul? A little little hand check that gets separation, you know? But he didn't really extend, but he kept it close to his body, you know, stuff like that. I think. In terms of that, what was your question again? I'm no, sorry. No, you
0: answered it. You I already answered answer it. Answer. It's all good. Sorry. Uh, I got two more questions. Yeah. Two final questions, so... What was the most thickest situation that you've ever been in playing basketball? And what was the most thickest situation that you've ever had thus far in your officiating career? In terms of what?
2: For playing basketball, I, I can kind of surmise. <sighs> it, but. Hmm.
0: I don't know. Um, lack of playing time. Uh, you're down by uh, okay. four. There's 20 seconds left.
2: Uh, as a player, my junior year, I got no playing time at all. No burn at all. Me too. It was crazy. It was really bad really bad it was to the point where I was like I, you're thinking to yourself I can't be this bad you
0: start second guessing basketball yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah you know you always think about quitting and stuff but the love for the game was there so I was able to stick with it stick through it uh, in terms of game situations sticky Uh, my senior year it was probably we played a game at King it was on ESPN so it was like a lot of stuff like going around, you know, circulating that game. It was a very cl- uh, close game and hard for a game. I think I played the whole game. So that was very sticky. We lost by three, but, mm. you know, in terms of playing hard and like being mm. uh, present in the moment, it was probably that. Probably gave me the most trouble. I ended up doing well in the first half and I had a bad second half. I think it was like overthinking a lot of things, you know, but uh, I yeah.
1: Yeah. He had an excellent first quarter. You were there. I was there, and as a result, they put who was the kid Musa. Mm-hmm. They put Musa on him the rest of the game. <sighs> put Musa on you. That's why he
0: didn't do shit after that. They put the clamps on you.
2: Yeah, you, well, you don't got that Isaiah yeah. Thomas bumping and, and, and uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of those teams were focused on playing the uh, you know, the big the focal points of those teams. So I was literally like a background player. Like I would start, and he people. Be like, all right, just leave, leave him alone. Let him shoot. Let him do whatever. And then you were doing that. It, you, were, you were... Yeah, I had to prove myself that, yo, you're going to have to guard me. <laughs> like, you all going to disrespect me like that. Mm. You know, I'm going to get this ball. I'm going to shoot it. And that's that's a lot of confidence because when the other team doesn't even think, that mess with your head so much. Mm. The other team doesn't think you can shoot, miss a couple of shots, and now the crowd's into it. It is... Yeah. So, like, in terms of sticky situations, probably it. Yeah.
0: How about with officiating?
2: Officiating? Uh, a couple so far. <laughs> I'm not even a year in technically. Uh there was one game when I first started out, like I said, a little kids game and uh actually no, there was another game I was doing in Basketball City that probably yeah, it's definitely uh worse than what I was about to say. But yeah, I was playing at Basketball City, I was refereeing and I had a, a partner I don't know, what, eat, what type
1: eat? of event was this? It
2: was a high school AU event. It was 8th grade so you know talking kids that are taller than me bigger than me I'm older than them but I don't look like I'm older than them so it's already I'm I'm behind the curve starting off and if I don't have a, a partner that's going to stick up for me it, it's tough so I was doing with a, a partner that probably didn't even really take refereeing basketball that seriously you know you, you can tell the guys that don't take refereeing seriously they'll just show up and try you know steal yeah so I was refereeing and I think the game was going like beautifully I think i for, for what I was doing I think I was playing calling a, a very good game it was a very competitive game it was uh, I forgot what the teams were but it was like liking like into Riverside playing
0: uh, Gauchos something Gauchos, like that Gauchos
2: yeah maybe not New Heights but like yeah Gauchos so towards the end of the game I usually make calls and this is comes the whole poise thing I make calls especially starting off that probably in summer bowl you could let go but I don't want to let go mm. I want to I want to call the correct because I haven't experienced High school Like straight up By the book Basketball So I don't want to deviate From that Because I don't know What it is yet. Mm. So The kid was holding him On an inbounds play He tugs him The kid gets the ball I call a foul On that tug So the defender You know Is fighting with me Because obviously They're fighting for position So you see You start screaming at me, "Oh, He's holding me too He's holding me too Are you kidding me So he's cursing at me So you know I give him a tech. My partner's all the way down on the end line because it was a full-court play, doing full-court pressure. And it was only us three, the, me, the two players and me on the opposite side of the court from the benches and myself. So I, I call the technical foul, walk over to the table to report it and explain what's going on and make sense of it, you know, because it was also a foul before that. So now we're shooting one and one probably. I don't remember the exact situation. One-on-one and, one and the technical. So the kid follows me up. He starts cursing at me, you know, oh, oh we can take this outside. It starts automatically getting personal. So as soon as I felt them on my neck, I threw him out of the game. And then the coach comes over to me, and you know, the parents are causing, uh, you know, typical AAU confusion, as usual, you know, messing with the scorebook, standing right over the table, making sure they were doing everything. We had a, a situation in, in the first half where they were like messing with the book, saying that the book was incorrect, and you know, we had to make sense of that. So we made sure they stood away from the table, so now he was, they were standing kind of close to the situation so I give out the second technical and the parents come over they're like oh, oh the ref cursed at him first the ref cursed at him first so the, the coach started going off he's like oh I understand the first technical he deserved it he's like but I don't understand the second technical they're getting trying, real technicals about the technical I trying to explain it. Like, <laughs> it's either technical and we're going to start fighting in the middle of the court Like I'm not I can't let that happen especially mm. in the situation i am And this is where it starts to get very narrow for me There's very little room for me to make a a childish mistake out of haste and you know instead of taking a step back because i think a child would have handled it like you know all right let's go fight because the kid is only probably like 15 years old i'm, I'm 18 three years and it gets like bigger than me you're threatening me to fight and the child would have like started fighting and even after that situation was over and done with, it. I had parents from the same team come over and say, like, it like, I appreciate the restraint you showed. You know, if that was me, I would knock that kid out, blah, blah, blah. this that and the other. But my technical, the second technical ended up being rescinded by the uh, whoever was running the tournament. So I kind of, you know... And it gets like that sometimes, you know. I have to present myself and think of myself as an adult because there's so many other people that are not going to do that. Mm. You know, even when it comes to guys that are assigned in the game or guys that gave me the game or guys that are keeping an eye on me while I'm refereeing, you know, they're going to treat me like a kid. Like, oh, he probably gave that second technical out because you know, he was upset because a kid was cursing. No, he deserved it. I can't have a kid trying to fight me on the court. What does that say for every other kid that doesn't like a call, doesn't mm. agree with a call?
1: And where's the, where's the partner yeah. that you assigned
2: yeah, but you know, so in terms of that, it's, it gets it gets very tough in situations like mm. that. You know, trying to trying to uh, make sense of it, you know, and also stay taking a step back is a huge part because you can't always see things right in front of it. When you take ten steps back, understand why the kid might have got upset, what the coach is saying, other oh, coach, how can I handle the situation better in the future? You know, maybe calling over the the the. Uh, the person who's running the tournament before it even gets to a, a dispute, you know, mm. you know, me calling him over first. Look, this guy's out. <laughs> I'll explain to you what happened. He's out. No discussion. He's out, or I'm out. I'm leaving because I can't referee in that condition, in those conditions, especially big games like that. No way. Mm. You handled it correctly, though. I, I I think I did. Yeah, definitely. I I thought about leaving, but I ended up staying for those last three games. Uh.
1: You remember the phone call you made to me?
2: Yeah. I was I was upset, and pissed.
0: What'd you say? What was your words of wisdom?
1: I asked him what was going on, who was there, and then ultimately he said to me, he "says because they they took him off of that game in the fourth quarter, so they put another ref on the game it was like a minute to go." So he was upset and rightfully so, and another ref who we all know, I guess we call it like the bully ref in our group. He went to the guy, he said, don't ever do that again. He said, don't ever do that again, you know? Don't matter what. Let the person finish the game, period. So um, what he said to me, he's like, screw that, dad. They ain't not chasing me away. I'm here. I'm here already. I'm going to get this money. <laughs> I admired that.
2: And that's you know. how it's got to be. You got to have that mentality or else every time I'm hit with adversity, I'm going to quit refereeing. Yeah, you got to
0: flush that. And, and that, that's one of these things. Game, where, yeah. Exactly. So. Exactly. Um, having said that, my final question to you is uh, what's your best moment so far as a basketball player and what's your best moment so far as a basketball official?
2: As a basketball player, I think my best moment is yet to come, I honestly think. There's, uh, I had too many, not too many, I had trials and tribulations in high school that rendered me from fully enjoying playing basketball. You know, when it gets too competitive, when it gets up to... High level high school college basketball, you know, and so on and so forth. And I have friends that I can attest to this. It doesn't feel the same as it is. the innocence is gone. You know, a lot of things, a lot of moves made in the dark, stuff like that. So it doesn't feel as good as it should. So I, that's why I'm I'm reserving, I'm holding a spot for that best basketball moment.
0: And what about uh, your best moment so far as a basketball official? Even though your future is bright and the, the best is yet to come, as what about official, what do you experience?
2: Probably experiencing the younger kids, not maybe at the third grade, fourth grade level, where they're you know just doing it as a source of exercise or activity. Probably around the sixth, seventh grade range when I referee those kids are trying to make the high school team. that love basketball and imparting knowledge to them. You know, I love. I had a game in, uh, might have been friends out on the island. And this kid I recognized from me working out as a player. You know, he was coming up as a middle school kid, probably fifth grade when I was still working out. He's in eighth grade now, about to go to high school. This kid's good. He's like, uh, I forgot his name, light-skinned Spanish kid. He was, like, really good, really nice. He had a lot of heart, you know what I'm saying? He just kind of seen by himself. And I think he lost on, like, a controversial call or something, like, in overtime. He was, like, crying on the floor. And it wasn't serious, but it goes to show how much he, he respects and loves the game of basketball. So me imparting, especially being... In the situation, in that situation, to me, being so prevalent in my life, being able to give my wisdom to him a little bit, give him a few words that are going to take him a long way, maybe mm-hmm. through high school, carry him through high school, imparting that knowledge. This is my way of giving back to the game of basketball, you know, that has shown me a lot. So I think that's my best. One of the things that I love about refereeing, probably one of my best moments as a referee. You also. think
0: you're going to be in any of his games in college? no <laughs> definitely recusing early yeah. um, this has been great man I know we've been trying to do this for months yeah trying to get together yep you have any final words you want to say before we part ways uh,
2: I hope next time next interview you have a, we have a lot more to talk about yeah and yeah. you know
0: what I'm kind of happy that we waited because now I have like a crazy following so mm-hmm. um, it's only going to get better and you know we look forward to uh, continued success definitely. playing basketball mm-hmm. and then hopefully when you get to the dark side we're all going to take care mm-hmm. of you
2: I look forward to the second <laughs> interview.
0: For Aaron Barfield Sr. For Aaron Barfield Jr. This is the rant. This is Ralph the Ref signing out. Peace.